And then then the additional level of the the kind of friends saying, how do you both remember something different? And is our perception of our friendship even based in reality anymore? Welcome, everybody, to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. And I am Jackson Nikolai. Welcome especially to this first episode of Themed Month. Yeah, boy, this is an exciting moment. It is every season to be on the front end of this Themed Month thing that we do, that we have done since the beginning of this podcast. It's, it's, it, we know that we're going to go on some kind of a journey. Uh, for for long-time listeners, this is, or I guess this is really for new listeners. Long-time listeners know, I guess. But once a season, we spend a month of episodes, four episodes, talking about plays which have something to do with each other. You know, our, our sort of regular mission is to talk about a huge variety of scripts, often that have almost nothing in common one week to the next, different periods that they came out of, playwrights with very different voices, plays about very different content from very different situations. That's sort of the goal of what we try to do on a week-to-week basis. But when we hit themed month, we say we want to have four conversations that are some sort of a package together because the plays that we're talking about are some sort of a, a group. They have some even very tenuous strands of connection. Yeah, yeah, we've we've done some some stretches and some that are like spot on before. We've been on uh, Miller Month where we talked about a bunch of Arthur Miller plays. We've done Magic Month where we've uh, talked about plays that contain some element of magic in them. And uh, this time around, we are excited. I feel like every time I, I move to this phase, I'm paging back in my notes to remember what we've <laughs> what called this we, month. What have we called this theme <laughs> month? This is this is this is the worst name thus far. <laughs> By no stretch of the imagination. This this right. month is called New Chats, Old Scripts. New Chats, Old Scripts. Yes, yeah, so this month we are going back to some of the plays from previous seasons that have a little bit of a new perspective in them. Um, and how we're kind of determining that perspective, uh, we, got a, we got a number of different lenses through which we're going to be kind of having the new chat. Um, uh, the we, we have a couple of really fun ones lined up, and the, the kind of perspective is either new scenes that have been published from the play. Um, uh, the the, the kind of exciting thing this theme month is we're bringing on our special guest episode into the themed month. So kind of we'll have a fresh perspective there on a play that we've done before. Yeah, so I think we could without, because we've decided not to release the titles to, if you're a patron, you know the titles, but to the general audience, except for a week at a time. But I think we could feasibly tease what is going to be the updated perspective each week. So this week, the updated perspective is that I have worked on a production of this play within the past three months. Next week, the 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 way in the new perspective is the new published scene, which you mentioned, which changes the script. Uh, I, you know, there's a, probably maybe a question of how significantly it changes the script, but it certainly is an important change to a production. The week after is our special guest episode, where uh, we that special guest has a, a sort of a long background in play development and in new play festivals, including the Humana Festival, where this play that we are 
are that special guest and I uh, behind the peak curtain. I've actually already recorded the episode. It's dun, very dun, dun. cool. <laughs> uh, but that that special guest and I discuss uh, some about just the development of the play, how this incredible play came to life. And then the, fi- the final week, Jackson and I will share an experience of uh, experiencing the same production of a script that we have previously talked about. So there's your teaser about our four new perspectives on these scripts that we've talked about and our, our, our way into these. They're not really updated conversations in the sense that there are things that we need to change or update, but they're rekindled conversations in the way that theater is, right? You'll see a production one year and then five years later, you'll see a pr- different production in a different town and you're in a different phase of life and the bar that you go to afterwards, you're going to have a totally different conversation than the conversation that you had before. It's one of the beautiful, incredible things about the way drama works in our world. Yeah, it it encapsulates one of the very special experiences of theater, which is uh, meeting a, a play afresh each time you get to engage with it. And and the, the play that we're meeting afresh this week, as Jacob mentioned, it's a play that he's worked on very recently. It's also a play that I've been in. If you, if you listened to our conversation about it last time, you know that I've been in this play. We're talking about Dinner with Friends today by Don, Donald Margillies. Yeah, well, it's a fun conversation because, as you just said, you had already done a production the last time we talked about it, and now since then I've done a production. Now, I do have to say, it's hard. It's some I can't remember the phrasing you just used, but the, I, it was something about having sort of like a fresh coming coming to it anew. And I'm actually <laughs> still a little close to the production that I just did. Sure, sure. Uh, so it's a little hard for me to do that, to be honest with you. There was a little, and I, although I love the script tremendously, there was a little bit picking it back up of like, man, I still need a break, yo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean it's a weighty play too. Like the the, the themes so that are being played. Sad. It, yeah, it's it's a sad play. Sure. So I, I'm excited though to hear what y- you all did with it. I'm excited to jump into the conversation. Before we do, I wanted to say a brief thank you to our patrons who make things like Themed Month possible. Thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon.com/slash NoScriptPodcast for being a part of the NoScript community in the way that you are. You all make this show possible. We love getting to have these conversations. We love getting to talk about scripts. We love getting to have conversations with all of you out there who listen as well, whether you're sending us emails about productions that you've been in before or about insights that you have on one of the scripts that we've done. It's so great to get to talk about scripts in this way. And the patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast make that possible. If you're looking for a way to uh, be a part of the NoScript community and to help out the show, um, whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener and are just kind of wanting to find a new way to be engaged in the NoScript community, patreon.com slash podcast is a great way to do that number of different tiers over there lowest one is one dollar we're committed to that one dollar amount for for access to patron only posts you get to know things like what the scripts are for themed month ahead of time which is kind of fun but we're gonna like we have we have what like nine seasons now of us saying we got one dollar amount as our entry point and we're committed to that twelve dollars over the course of a year and then there's another number of other different tiers uh five dollars you get to be uh at the playwright level i believe and there's various Uh, rewards associated with that. So 
It's a great place to hang out, great place to uh, kind of uh, be a part of the NoScript community. Thanks to all of our patrons over there, and we will see you at patreon.com slash noscriptpodcast. And now, back to the script. Here we go. Okay, so this is the normal point in a regular episode where we would give you the context and synopsis of the script so that we're all kind of on the same page about where the script came from, who wrote it, and then sort of a basic overview of the plot. Sometimes more detailed, sometimes less detailed, depending on our mood. However, (laughs) today and for the next four episodes, well, this episode plus three more, uh, we are skipping that section in order to facilitate kind of efficient, shorter conversations because these are updates. If you want to check out the context and synopsis of the play, we encourage you to listen to our old episode, uh, or our original episode, perhaps, is a better phrase. Uh, That episode is linked in the show notes. You can check it out there. Um, And so we will also re re share a link to it on our social media so you'd be able to find it there as well but that is where you're going to have to go to find it even if you don't want to listen to the whole original episode although you should that app that episode's not outdated or anything this is just a new conversation about it um you could just listen to like the first five or six minutes however long it took us to get to the context or synopsis and then jump back over to this conversation if that's your preference but that is available to you over there however for the time being we are just going to skip it uh and have this sort of abbreviated conversation given the new perspective, which is that this past summer, I live in Missoula, Montana. I directed dinner with friends for a local Missoula company called Theater and Co. Um, and we we put on a production in a. It was a, it's actually like a big dance studio, an aerial studio. So it was a big sort of open space that we use their the rigging points in there to sort of build a framework of soft goods. Um, and then those who know me as a director know that I'm I'm sort of committed to the minimalism thing. And so it won't be surprising to learn we had like one table and four chairs, <laughs> and that was like the whole set. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> Nice. What was the ensemble work like? Because this play, uh, I remember working on it. This this play has like, you know, it's a four character play. It's a four hander, small cast, um, and and it's a cast that like uh, has a lot. There's only uh, there's only well no, all the characters have scenes together in in the timeline of the play. There's there's the pairing of Beth and Tom that don't have a a like uh, in the moment scene because they're oh no they don't they <laughs> Never do mind. yeah they have their the yeah, one yeah, yeah. scene they have is their big blow up fight big fight yeah. One that ends with the violence um, and is is kind of a tone changer uh, in the course of the script. I'll say that, so in terms of the ensemble work, these characters are just so good. And that's, I mean, I think that's what you pick up from this play, no matter how you come to it, is how richly developed these characters are by Donald Margulies. Now, Donald Margulies teaches playwriting in one of the best playwriting institutions in the country. I mean, he's just one of the best that we've got. And so no surprise that the characters in this play are hugely fleshed out human beings with specific and and justified points of view from their perspective uh, who, who sort of come to crossroads where those points of view you know intersect and, and conflict in high moments of tension so to build out the the, the actor's sense of the characters um, it, it was just a huge joy I mean it was, it's such a huge 
hugely awesome part of working on the script is is thinking through the backgrounds of the characters. What what yeah. is this perspective? I mean, especially for the actor who plays Tom in this play. Tom is the 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 husband who's divorcing Beth, um, and is you know I think pa- painted by the other three as the bad guy for a good portion of the play. Um, he he ends up in a big fight with Beth that ends in a physical violent physical violence moment, um, and he he says things that are I think to a lot of people somewhat unsympathetic across the course of the play but the actor playing Tom then brings in uh, a willingness to fully live into that point of view and that was sort of my request as the director of the actors that we worked with on the front end was as we come into rehearsals I don't want to talk about the play from a meta point of view I don't I don't really want to know like your opinion of the characters or whether you think what they did was good or bad or or silly or dumb I want you to come in with a dogged commitment to justifying your character's point of view in every yeah. conversation that we have and I, and I felt like that was very successful credit to the cast they really took that challenge uh, and made the rehearsals a really interesting moment Moment where I would be talking to one actor and say something and another actor would pipe up and say, like, that is not true at all. My character is not thinking that. That is not what I'm doing right now. I'm totally justified when I say this and here's why, uh, which was just fascinating, joyful, very, very fulfilling and sustaining work. Fun, yeah, yeah, especially with Tom and Beth, because there's the uh, uh, there's such an issue of subjectivity in this play, with the two of them telling uh, Gabe and Karen kind of s- sometimes differing, sometimes resonant stories about how their relationship slowly unraveled, um, and and so much of that subjectivity, um, I think is is based in honest experience. It's not always just lying for the sake of trying to kind of sully the other's name. Some of them are are based in subjective experience. Well, yeah, I think. I think I would maybe even say that there's very little to no outright lying in the script. Yeah. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that the characters, all four of them really at various points, have totally different descriptions of the same events. Uh, I don't think anybody at any time, you know, maybe there's one or two small moments maybe that somebody could quibble with me about. But in general, I don't think that comes from a place of lying. I think you're totally right. Some of what the play is, is about the subjective experience of our shared lives, right? When you reach a point in your life where you look back on your memories with someone who was also there and you say, we don't have the same memory of this event at all. I mean, how could that be? We were both there, but we don't remember the same thing happening at all. Mm-hmm. And then, then the additional level of the, the kind of friends saying, how do you both remember something different? And is our perception of our friendship even based in reality anymore? It's such a, such, such a fun level to the play. What was it like to, uh, I mean, this, this play moves pretty fluidly in action between its scenes. You, you mentioned that you used a, a table and four chairs. Um, what was it like to try to establish, because you move around in places quite a bit as far as settings are concerned. Yeah, every scene There's, you move place, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. What was that like for you? Yeah, we uh, because I the, because of just kind of who I am as a director, I, I'm interested in trying to focus the story on the characters more perhaps than the design, especially for a play like this where the characters are so rich. And so on our use of a table and four chairs, we would have sort of a different tablecloth and small little set dressing things that would be able to change very easily. Uh, and then one of the things about our concept that we, we liked and I think we pulled off to some degree was that slowly around the outside of the set between the the action on stage and the audience different items props different pieces of set dressing would start to accumulate in a like a sort of moat of objects from the lives of these characters around the outside of the stage and then along the back we had three coat trees where each of the tablecloths that was used would be hung up uh, hmm. So the backdrop then started to sort of build and get more full and, and drapey. Uh, interestingly for us, the table also served as our bed. Uh, we yeah. would simply take a big comforter quilt. There's two bedroom scenes across the course of the play and lay it across the table. Not not lengthwise like it looks like a twin bed, but sort of along the width of the play so that the, the longness of the table represented the large width of like a, a double bed or a queen bed for a couple. Uh, and then the, those, those sheets and comforters and pillows would also be draped up and laid around the outside of the stage. So we filled the outside of the stage with stuff, even as the, the picture on stage was very minimal. And there was a nice contrast there, I think, even though there was only a few objects to represent every scene, when you started to look at the accumulation of them all together, it became very, it was a quite a cluttered picture. I, I love that because the, the, the piece of the, something that's hard to remember because this play moves so fast and you, and you meet especially Beth and Tom in such different moments of their life in each scene that they come back in. So like, uh, I I think of the last scene I I play, if you you listen to the conversation before I played Tom in in the production that I did and the difference between him in the first scene and him in the last scene is stark. Um, he's, he's kind of comes in and he's, he's in this moment of, of, of despair and, and depending on how you play him, um, he, he feels very unheard in the first couple scenes. The last scene he's in like a, he's, he's been working out. He's in a new suit code and he's like, he's looking, he's looking pretty fly. And it's easy to, to imagine or to forget where you started with these characters by the end of the play. But having that accumulation from the scenes themselves around the outside, I love that. That sounds awesome because it, it makes you think about what came before. And even the, the, the far in the past scene at the vineyard with the four of them together, if that's represented up there too, you 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 have this visceral reminder as as you continue with the characters to the end of the play. And we we were able to come up with some beautiful moments from that in the process of placing them. The characters did most of the placing of the objects that stayed on stage. And one I thought a really beautiful moment that I was surprised that the audience picked up on. I wondered if it would somewhat just be for us, but uh, at the end of Act One, uh, Tom leaves the conversation with Gabe. It's looking pretty dark and painful. He's felt very unheard. Gabe feels like the friendship may be over. There's a lot of of, of pain and, 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 and confusion around what's going to happen next. Tom has been eating leftovers from the dinner that they had with Beth earlier in the night. So at the end of that scene, as Act 1 is ending, Tom is left. The character who played Gabe took the leftover stuff. We had it in sort of glass Tupperware and came down and placed it amidst the pool of other stuff. And then 
then took Tom's napkins and laid it over the leftover stuff in a sort of burial shroud moment. Aww. It was it was <laughs> gorgeous, man. It was one of the yeah. coolest moments of the the sort of the concept, the right, the form uh, intersecting with what was happening across the course of the play, and totally in line with the spirit of that moment. And uh, it's like he was sort of burying his friendship. It was it was sad and it was moving. Uh, and it, it, uh, it, it, I think we were trying to say, we'd talk about the sort of the things that clutter up our lives, you know, as sort of a general concept statement and to have him like bury these leftovers in a, hmm. in a pool of stuff was, uh, it was, it was moving. It was. Yeah. That justifies a lot of the lines that they say too. Multiple times they refer to it. It's, it's like Tom died. Um, yes. So right. Exactly. A, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that that's awesome. Uh, I, I had a question from from our previous conversation. I'll kind of sum it up briefly, um, just so that we're kind of we're kind of uh, re- recalling the same moment. But we were talking about a scene um, in the Martha's Vineyard scene where um, uh, Beth and Tom have this moment at the end of it. Yeah. Tom kind of walks up and touches her hair, and there's kind of this interaction between them that that is, is both awkward and and hints at at maybe some more of their relationship that we don't get to see on stage, um, and uh, the kind of decisions. That, that you can make as a cast with that moment because it, it informs the rest of the play and how uh, Karen behaves towards Tom in the rest of the play. And, and I was I was curious to hear what you all decided as far as like the, the uh, undercurrent of that story, the context of that moment to try to justify throughout the play. Yeah, well, it's, it's an important thing to some degree, although it's the only moment where it really comes up specifically. It does, what you decide there has, I think, a large impact on Tom and Karen's relationship in the other scenes. Karen spends so much of Act 1 in a total fury about the way Tom has treated Beth. Beth and, uh, I'm sorry, Tom and Karen, when he finally arrives at the end of Act 1, have some kind of awkward encounters, which may be just due to the fact that she's mad at him and he knows it, or maybe it has to do with this almost sexual, you know, uh, almost romance that they had when they were young. And, and that, and you know, why is Karen so upset about this? Is this just because he hurt her friend and he's breaking up the friendship? That's a good enough reason uh, as it is, of course, but is maybe, is it also because, uh, you know, this feels like a betrayal of her too, because of this thing that they had in the past. For our production, we sort of landed on a kind of specific story of an almost relationship that they had when they were young um, that didn't end up manifesting itself in anything but might have been physical at one point. I mean, I, I think it is hard to undersell how comfortable you have to be with an adult human who's not your romantic partner to walk up to their face and move their hair behind their ear twice. I mean, he does it twice in a row. And as much as we tried to sort of finesse, you know, maybe this didn't happen. We we were trying to imagine what's the best case scenario that would justify this. Uh, I, I, I think there has to have been some sort of physical relationship in the past in order for those characters to feel comfortable. If, I mean, she doesn't slap his hand away. She doesn't jump away like, oh my gosh, what is that? I mean, I think that the level of physical comfortability that's there, even though they both know this can't happen, ha- speaks to a level of physicality between them in the past. 
Yeah, yeah, and and then those 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 scenes. If you if you do lean into that, we talked about this a little bit in the last one. If you do lean into that, those scenes where she's talking about him or to him in the earlier scenes, and then her eventual decision to kind of remove him from her circle. The reason she's not at the final scene between Gabe and. Tom is because Gabe says that she's she's yeah she's really not over it yet. Um, it, it definitely speaks into those those moments as well. No, it absolutely does. And I I found I, I will say that one of the things that surprised me the most about putting the play on its feet, and I, I I'm interested to hear your experience too when you performed it, is I was blown away how stinking effective the last scene of the play is. Ooh, okay. I, I had always had questions about whether the audience would pick up on it. And I mean, the drama of the last scene is the struggle for Gabe to say something. And I, I've always wondered, well, how how interesting is that struggle? She's asking him to say something and he's having a hard time saying it. Is that all that interesting to justify the end of the story, to justify all the emotional commitment that has come to this point? And then they play this game and the game is how the story ends. And it's a game that they've only done once at this point, like 45 minutes of real time ago. I just I had questions about that. And I have to tell you that it was stunning how yeah. impactful that moment is. I mean, I was the director. I knew it was coming. I, you know, <laughs> we worked together. I knew everything they were going to do. And in the context of the story, when you see it in the first round and then when there's an audience, I mean, people are on the edge of their seat. I mean, mm. what is going to happen? She's desperate for him to say something, desperate for him to share his feelings. Their marriage feels like it's on a knife edge. He's struggling. He's bumbling. He can't get it out. What? Oh, my God. It it is thrilling. I mean, you are just like, oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, the the acting level has to be there. In our case, it certainly was. But it I I was blown away. I mean, I I was renewed with uh, admiration for Donald Margulies for writing this scene. That is so I mean, they're sitting in a bed. That's the thing about this play. There's like no blocking. Right. Like the blocking was like four minutes of rehearsal. It was like, yeah. we're sitting at this table the whole we're scene. Sitting around <laughs> talking. I mean, yeah. they're sitting in bed the whole scene. And it is among the most heart pounding things I've ever seen on stage. Yeah, because you're set up. I mean, the, the play feels like a play that you're watching two couples uh, dissolve. Um, is that's what it, that is what it feels like is happening. You just seen, I I don't know that I felt this way in the Beth and Karen scene as much, and maybe it's just my own perspective as, 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 as a male. Um, but, but in the, in the Gabe scene, uh, it's, it feels like he's unraveling. Like Tom's argument is winning. Um, Gabe, Gabe is like poorly trying to defend his position as like society needs to still function from marriages. Um, and, and, uh, so that last scene has a lot of drama, um, uh, uh, in, in the wondering, well, is, has, has, has Tom and Beth's relationship pushed Gabe and Karen to the point that theirs can't sustain anymore. So then to have it end with this moment of play, have it end with like a connection moment, um, uh, gives us a surprising little 
burst of hope at the end of a very tense scene. You're not, I mean, uh, there, there's still lots of unanswered questions at the end of the play, but but that sort of like burst of connection in a play that's all about um, slowly unraveling your connection um, makes it such a poignant moment. Yeah, it, it's almost like some of this play is about miscommunication, people, two ships passing in the night, two people trying to talk about the same thing, but actually talking about different things. I mean, the, the, the Tom and Gabe scene that's also at the end of the play is also just a gorgeous scene. I mean, it's just stellar. And they're trying to talk about their friend, the future of their friendship, where they're at in their marriages, but they're not talking really about the same thing at all. Tom's talking about, you know, the the, the way he felt unheard, how great his life is being with a partner who listens, who connects with him more. And Gabe is talking about like what this means for the life they had together. I mean, it's just not the same conversation. Touche. And, it's, yeah. and Gabe and Karen have that then in this final scene. They're struggling to have the same conversation. And what finally feels like the moment of connection is when they're not talking about it at all. They're playing this silly game where he tries to scare her and suddenly you feel like, okay, we're back, we're back on the same conversation at least. We're back in the same zone, in the same world of of living. And it was just... I, I, I mean, I've just, people were, and not not that this is the goal, right? I, I hate it when people are like, man, we had the audience crying. That's so great. <laughs> like, that's not really the goal. But I, I mean, people were emotionally enthralled to the point where there were people crying at, at this moment. And even those that weren't, I mean, I, I'm not a hugely emotionally outpouring kind of guy, but I mean, my heart was pounding. It, mm-hmm. It's like, for a scene with virtually no stage action, it yeah. is amazing what, how high the stakes are, how how how, fe- how fierce this couple fights to try to stay together. And it, it looks like all is he can't say what he's trying to say. He cannot get it out there. And when he finally does get it out, it's not good news, right? It's like right. marriages change and and we lose the passion. And I think that's what we're both learning right now is when he like finally gets out and it's like, well, that's not what I wanted to hear. That's, yeah, that's not helpful. And it, when it finally resolves in this moment and for us, it ended with them just like giggling like mad and clutching each other in this bed. Uh, you're, it, it is just like your heart relaxes after this moment of incredible tension. And it's just such good writing to be able to Mm. do that with an audience to put us through a shared I mean it's really why live theater is so good I mean I've seen the movie and the movie's fine but it is not the same experience as when you're sitting with a hundred people and everybody is on the edge of your seat everybody's heart is pounding and then they finally start giggling and clutching each other in bed and everybody relaxes yeah. I mean, it's an amazing <laughs> live experience. I can't, I, I've always liked this play, but now how seeing how effective it is with an audience, uh, I'm even more impressed, bizarrely. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it really speaks into some really, really important things. It's a nice show because it's for folks. Um, it's four actors, can... <laughs> yeah. And all you need, hey, I can actors. tell you, all you need is a table and four chairs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're, we're coming down to the end of our time here on these this shorter episode. Any any kind of final thoughts, Jacob? Having having uh, had the chance to do it, I feel like we've we've covered a lot of the like yeah. resonances of it. I don't know. One fun surprise I'd be interested to hear your thought on it too was uh, 
you you sort of remember as you start to rehearse it that Tom is a lawyer like that. I mean, you always yeah. know it because it's his job, but then you start to rehearse it and you're like, he sounds a little lawyerly. Right? Oh, <laughs> like Tom's yeah. how good Tom is at arguing and talking and presenting his point of view, how good he is at questioning other people in a way that leads to his point. I mean, it, it's just so he's he's such a lawyer. Yeah, if you lean into, especially in that first scene where he's trying to suss out whether Beth has told um, uh, the other couple that they've broken up, uh, you, you kind of see you see the prosecutor come out. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely it's and but it's it is one of those odd things that isn't talked about all that often in the lines of the play. So you kind of have to like keep it in your memory bank <laughs> and, or and play it, off. It of feels like to try the play in the text. It feels a little bit like well, it's just treating it as his job. And then you yeah. realize how much a job impacts a personality. Uh, and that's true of all the, I mean, the other characters too. Beth is such an artist. <laughs> she is yep. such an artist. And and Gabe and Karen, these sort of foodie hipster people, although this was, the play was written before we used that kind of phraseology. But uh, like their, jo- their, their jobs really represent their personalities in a lot of ways, but none more than Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's about all the time we have uh, for this conversation, reconversation, not reconversation, this second conversation yeah. about dinner with Follow friends. Up. A new conversation. Just another yeah. one. It's just a separate <laughs> conversation. The other one wasn't wrong and this one's right. We're not like, we haven't like <laughs> gone from ignorance to understanding. It's just we're having another conversation about a play, which is it's what you do. It's what you do, and it's what we do here on the podcast. Fortunately, we don't have to stop this conversation just because the podcast ends. We'd love to keep talking with you about this play. Um, both of us have now been in it, or been a part of putting it on its feet. Um, and if you have been in this play, read this play, watched this play, and are looking for someone to have a conversation about uh, Dinner with Friends, we'd love to be uh, the source of that conversation, whether with us or with the broader community on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the username at NoScriptPodcast. We also have a Gmail, NoScriptPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on any of those sites. We'd love to keep talking about dinner with friends with you. Absolutely. If you've liked this conversation or any of our other conversations, you can follow us on our social medias where a, a link to the new episode is posted every Monday. But you can also find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and YouTube. We're in all those places. It's easy to search NoScript the Podcast and see the new episodes and also scroll back and find the older episodes that are follow-ups and again the the link to the old episode of this conversation or the original episode of this conversation is in the show notes if you want to check that out and see where we've differed where our perspective has changed or where we were very much in alignment with our feelings the last time yeah, or like how our voices have changed in like six seasons. I went back and listened to it again. It was like, oh my goodness, this was six seasons ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's just the editing style. Regardless, have it uh, if, if if you're excited to kind of c- continue listening in on the conversation with Dinner with Friends, season three, episode thirteen. Link is in the show notes. Next week we are coming back with more uh, new context for for old scripts and new chats to have. I'm excited for next week to continue our themed month. But until then, I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. Thanks for joining us for No Script the Podcast.